0: Coffee with Colby, episode three. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby. It's a show about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path, preparing you for the challenges that can crop up in the workplace and in balancing your career and personal life. It's all the stuff you need to know that they didn't teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Colby Reed, and this is my show. Now, I'm really jazzed for today's episode because I get to share this really cool trick for getting past friction in the workplace that I figured out by a fluke and it has saved me I can't even count how many times over the years. This is one of those strategies that can not only help you do your job more effectively, but it's going to make you more popular among your colleagues and your coworkers. It sounds kind of stupid and cliche, but this really is kind of like magic. I want to start today's episode off with a story. Back in my PR agency days, I was working for a really big tech client. Now, if you stalk me on LinkedIn, you'll see that I actually worked for a number of tech clients over the years that were very big, so they shouldn't give away too much about who it might have been. But they were a big company, global presence, thousands of employees. Now, most smaller businesses will work with one PR agency. They call it the PR agency of record. They do all of the work for that one company. But bigger companies will maybe have one agency that's kind of the main agency of record, and then there will be three or four other agencies that work on different business segments. So like, for example, Nike might have one agency that manages all the Air Jordan campaigns, a different company handles the soccer shoes, a third company manages their cross training business, and then a fourth company manages like all of Nike's corporate work. I don't know if that's actually how Nike structures their PR, but it's an analogy. Usually companies like this will have a list of like four to six preferred vendors, they're called, and each business group can then pick the agency off that list that they want to use. It's a good way for the company to make sure that the work and the relationship never gets stale. They can also make sure that they're always getting the best possible value, uh, make sure that the PR agency doesn't get too complacent with the relationship, keeps things fresh. It's also a pretty big pain in the neck because PR agencies, really don't collaborate well we we can get along just fine but Frankly, no creative agency that I've come across really collaborates well across uh, across different business groups because we all have our little territory that we wanna protect. I mean, if agency X starts working on a project that's on my piece of business and they just knock it out of the park, what's to stop the client from dropping my team and consolidating the work under one firm, right? So we've established now that this is a big company, which means it's a really big account. Then we've established that there are different agencies representing different business groups, which makes for a very tense environment. Actually, have you ever seen uh, Jerry Maguire? You know that scene at the NFL draft where Jerry starts to sense that Bob Sugar is stealing his football client? It's kind of like that, but all the time. You're putting on this happy face for your client, but underneath the calm exterior, you're constantly on guard for possible encroachment by another agency. Okay, so here's where all of this comes together with today's lesson. Every year, we managed probably half a dozen major events for the business group that we represented. I'm talking, you know, national, global conferences, thousands of attendees, tons of press. But the company that I worked for had been doing this for a while and they had a, the work down basically to a science. I mean, it was a, a, a spot on rhythm, well oiled machine. It was really fascinating to watch and learn from, except for one event every summer, every year. There was this one big event that four or five different business groups were all working on together and it was the worst event of the year for everyone because the problem was, again, you had these five business groups and they all had their own specific needs for the event. They had products to launch, they had stories to tell, meetings to have, and so on. They were all used to doing their own thing and they all had were working with different agencies off of that preferred vendor list. Now, For this one specific event, unfortunately, there was one agency designated as the lead. So we all had to work through their systems and processes. Now, for all those other events that we did, you might collaborate with one other team, maybe two. This was pretty much one of the only events we did where all of the business groups were collaborating with all the different agencies and it was just this big web of cross-team collaboration it was it was just it was just a nightmare there's no other way to put it it was a nightmare if you've never worked in PR or communications event planning requires a certain rhythm to it and every team develops their own working schedule their own format for documents the font that they like the size of the type that they like their own review process It's all basically the same work, but it's customized based on the individual group and their personalities, and it's particularly tailored to the specific client that you're working with. In this collaboration scenario, all of the teams were miserable because every year this one team that ran things would organize operations based on their preferred system and what their clients wanted, which could be pretty different from what our clients were used to and what our systems were the the analogy that i can give you here is it would be kind of like if you know all of your life all you'd ever had was you know thin crust new york style pizza and then one day, you're randomly stumbling into a Chicago-style deep-dish pizzeria, and that's what you have to have for lunch. Technically, you've got dough, you've got cheese, you've got toppings. The entire presentation and flavor, though, is, is different. It's, it would be a major shock to your system if you expected you know, one of those giant, thin slices of pizza, and instead you got basically like pizza cake. That's what I like to call deep-dish pizza, pizza cake. Um, by the way, I'm not commenting one way or the other on whether New York or Chicago-style pizza is better. They're both delicious. But so when it comes to our clients, they're, and, and this this other agency that we're working with, that agency, they're not aware of what stories we want to tell, what message we need to get out, what our key metrics are. And what they would do is they would set forth the framework and then... They wouldn't necessarily get input from the other teams in advance. So then all the other teams that are involved are freaking out and complaining because their message isn't involved and their client doesn't have speaking time and you know this issue and that issue. They'd freak out and the managing team would get this massive pile of feedback kind of dumped on them at the last minute and they'd have to redo everything, it would annoy them, would stress everybody out. No one was happy working with this event. It was just always a problem. So one year... I notice we're probably four or five months before this event comes up, and everyone's, you know, kind of starting to gripe a little bit because as we're looking at that 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 calendar on the horizon, we can see that this event is coming around. This is also when I reveal to my team that I'm a complete masochist. And I go to my boss and I say, Can I be the point person for our team on this event? Can I be the person that's the liaison working with these other agencies to make sure everything gets done? She kind of taken aback and laughs and warns me that it's it's quite a challenge and it says if, if i want to do it okay i'm 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 the guy uh, again i knew this was going to be a challenge but i also knew that i had a secret weapon and i wanted to see if i could make it work here see and this is where we get to the the the, the tip very early on in my career as a manager i learned a very important lesson and it's one i carry with me to this day and frankly it is today's thought of the pod Everyone comes to work wanting to do a good job. It's as simple as that. See, we get these moments of friction at work that often stem because we don't have good communication. Janice in accounting has rejected your expense report again because you said the Carson lunch was on the 5th and it was actually on the 6th. And for crying out loud, the date is on the receipt. Can't she just cut me the check? Why is she so darn stubborn? Gosh! And, of course, she's thinking, he has the date printed right on the receipt. Our files have to be letter perfect in case we get audited. And what if the accountants find out? Why can't he just be more careful when he's entering his information? Gosh! (laughs) And before you know it, you're the arrogant jerk who can't read a receipt. And Janice is the control freak on the second floor. In this scenario, and in a lot of scenarios, a little communication between the two of you, uh, two of of us. Yes, I was the example here. Whatever. Anyway, when those moments of friction crop up, you can gain so much more in your work and your professional relationships by taking a step back and thinking, you know, Hugo in Legal is not intentionally trying to make my life miserable. There has to be a reason for why he's being such a hard case about this one specific process. Let me try talking with him to better understand where he's coming from. You'd be amazed how well this works, and it always frankly amazes me how many people would rather sit around and complain to each other and gripe behind people's backs as opposed to just having that conversation. It's amazing what that conversation will do. Consider the end of my original story. After signing up to be our point person, I decided to test my theory, and I sent an email to the agency that was managing the event. I introduced myself, explained my role for for our team, and then, as my mother would say, I laid it on with a trowel. I sucked up really hard. My email went something like this. I know this whole process is gonna be a challenge for you guys. I do not envy you having to, to manage everyone and there's gonna be so many teams involved and so many competing, uh, so many competing priorities. I know this is gonna be a nightmare. I, I want you to know we're really excited to be working with you and helping put on a great event. We're really excited for what this is gonna look like. Now, as I'm sure you can understand, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning of this email, our clients have some specific goals for the event. I'm sure the folks at Agency B, C, and D representing those different business groups, they're in the same boat as well. What would you say to an early connection call where we can all share our current goals for the event with you? You guys can share how you plan to manage the workflow. We can then report back to our respective teams so everybody's on the same page early on. That way everyone will know what to expect and when. And you can kind of start to shape things based on what our different priorities are instead of getting them from us at the last minute. They were thrilled. A week later, we have all the participating agencies on the phone, and we have a great chance to lay out each business group's priorities. We could prepare our clients for how the workflow would be managed, when they could expect items for review. The event was very smooth. I mean, it wasn't perfect. No event is ever perfect, but it was light years ahead of, of where it had been in previous years. And I heard from several folks it was the best experience they'd ever had with that particular engagement. It was fantastic. Now, think about it. All of the friction that had cropped up for that event boiled down to a lack of communication between the different parties and an assumption that group A was intentionally trying to sabotage group B when really everyone was just trying to do their best work. By taking a proactive stance with positive energy, we were able to identify common ground and effectively and efficiently work together. So how can you apply this the next time you find yourself wanting to dump lukewarm coffee over a colleague's head or throw their computer monitor across the room? Here are the steps you want to follow. First, ask yourself, is this person really trying to make my life miserable or are they trying to do their job? Like Michael Caine said in the Batman series, some men just want to watch the world burn. Occasionally, you'll meet a jerk. There are occasional people that do just want to make your life miserable, but those people come by very, very rarely. Often, those moments of friction you're going to run into crop up between two people who are trying to do a good job. That's why it gets so frustrating. You both want to do well. You're trying to succeed. You're trying to do what's best for the company, but you're not lined up, and so something is getting in your way. Second rule is strike a pleasant tone. It does not work to go over to Roz in finance and say, hey, uh, I know you don't mean to suck at life, but your feeble attempts at doing your job are getting in the way of me being awesome, so can we figure out how to make you not such a loser? You have to approach it from a position of mutual benefit. Hey, Roz, I wanted to talk to you about the hiccups we've been having with my TPS reports. I feel like maybe my process and your process aren't, aren't lining up. Could we grab 15 minutes to chat? Third step here is to clearly explain what your flow is in the process once you get that meeting, and then also listen carefully to them. You'd be surprised how often processes that we think are just bureaucracy for the sake of bureaucracy, they're really a thoughtful business decision that we just did not understand the thinking behind. The fourth and the final step is to define is to decide on a mutually agreeable solution moving forward. And I warn you, It could be that you just have to do it their way. It could be that they have already thought this through with other colleagues and whatever the process is, their way of doing it is best for the company and you just got to suck it up and say, okay, I'm going to do it that way. But you will probably feel better about it because now you understand why it's done that way. So when you're sitting down, filling out that expense report in triplicate, you can understand, okay, I really do need to do these three copies because Roz and Julian and Herbert all need copies of this. And that's why we've got to do it this way. Now, give it a shot this week. Think about that one coworker that you just wanna superglue to their task chair and have a proactive conversation to try and address one of the points of friction in your relationship. If it works, I would love to know. Uh, Hit me me a note on Twitter. I would love to hear from you. Uh, You'd be surprised how good this will make you feel and what it will do for your reputation in the office. This is a really quick way for you to become really the coworker that everybody wants to work with because you are so committed to finding a process that works and you're so open to that dialogue. And with that, we're uh, done with episode three. Episode four coming at you before you know it. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the show, again, I'd love for you to hit me up on Twitter at Colby Reed, C O L B Y R E A uh, D E. In the meantime, really appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time.